are in the building. We got something special for y'all. It's for the city. This is the G podcast where we focus on family, friends, finances, freedom, and our future and everything else. This is the G podcast. Tonight we are live and we got the one and only Brandon Douglas. First on the pod to wear Prada. Let's get right to it. Yes, indeed. Like, one more time for the first rock in the Prada. This is the G Podcast, where we focus on family, friends, finances, freedom, and our future, and everything else. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you for having me, G. But this is a full circle moment, man. I just kind of think you didn't cussed about eight times already in, in the <laughs> intro. <laughs> yeah, but uh, thanks for having me, man. We go back at least, what, 25 years. One of the first friends I made uh, since grade. It should be a good time. Once again, decided to talk to you, keep it real, and kind of talk about where we are today. What Most is it? Good. Family, finances, freedom, our future. And what else that F word? You, you got one. You got one. So family, friends, finances, okay. freedom, okay. and our okay. future. Yeah. I think we can we can hit on all of those today. No no doubt. And you already mentioned sixth grade was when we originally sort of crossed paths, but probably wasn't until get this where where we actually started to to mingle in the same circles and whatnot. So I'm curious just from your point of view, what I'm gonna say what I remember when I first met you in terms of just who I remember you to be at that time. Like I'd be curious, what do if anything you remember about me when you first met me? Yeah, I, I, a couple things. I think the first day I met you. The first thing I remember, I, neither one of us have hair now, and mine is thin, and yours is definitely gone. I remember the way. <laughs> I remember the way. <laughs> but I also I remember, remember the waves that. too. Dude. I remember I, the waves I, I, too. I remember the waves, but I also remember, man, you were a big Duke Blue Devils fan. But my house was divided because my little brother was a huge Duke, uh, Blue Devils fan, and I was a UNC fan. But then our best friend at the time, Brittany, she was also a Tar Heels fan, and y'all used to ball a lot. I wasn't athletically gifted. <laughs> but one thing I could do, like Stephen A, is I woke up every morning to ESPN, to Sports Center. Remember? My, my, my way of uh, battling y'all since I couldn't battle on the court was talk that sports shit. Every day at the lunch table with you. Uh, but I remember the ways the Duke Blue Devil t-shirt you had on that was dingy. <laughs> <laughs> it surely wasn't uh, Prada. That's for sure. It was not a Prada tee. That's for I mean, sure. I won't, I won't wear Prada then either. But so, okay. so Prada. But see, this is what I was say about you. You, It's no surprise that I sit here in front of you today and you are styled the way you're styled because even back then, you were definitely someone who this is back when i used to look at kids who wore old navy like man those kids got it made they got old navy you had the old navy you had the tommy you had the nautica you had like all the well it's funny you say that man because like we grew up in the i think similarly to like our same family structure single parent or my mom didn't raise me but my grandma and then my aunt stepped in when my grandma died excuse me but I guess the reason why I think I was always put together, man, is because we always, I don't want to say we tested into the good schools because they were public, 
but we were shipped, right? So when you think about the zoning of like where we live from the West End, right? We went to Githens and then we went to Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. And those zip codes that kind of aligned to Githens, either you had or you didn't, right? Mm-hmm. At Jordan, you had or you didn't. The way of leveling the playing field for me is I didn't have the money, but the one thing that they couldn't take away from me is I wanted to look the part and I wanted to speak the part. So my way of leveling the field was to outdress them mother and to be smarter than mother even though if I ain't have it, you weren't going to tell me I ain't have it. And then we took all the same classes as all the all the privileged kids. I wanted to make sure also that we was leveling the field. Or I was leveling the field by being the top in the class, too. So that was my way of just kind of like leveling the playing field and just make sure they know who BLD was. So let me ask, like, <clears throat> because you have always sort of been this uh, very ambitious, prideful, I would say competitive. Competitive. Yes. Um, I'm I'm curious, like, why do you think you've always been so competitive as it relates to style, grades, achievements overall, I would say? I think I think you 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 enjoy being a high achiever. Would you yeah. agree or disagree with that? I, I, I agree. And I, I'm man enough and I've done enough therapy to know what where that stems from. Right. Mm. Ultimately, I'm the first for my family to go to college. I'm the oldest of three. Mom was a felon. Dad wasn't really around. At the end of the day, the ethos that I put upon myself and put upon my shoulders for me and my little brother uh, and my little sister was to be the first out, right, and never to go into leaderhood and never go back. And when I think about my friends, my two best friends, Jordan and Trey, like they were athletes, right? I just didn't have it. (coughs) I just didn't have it. Uh, I'm a scrawny kid from the West End. Once again, if I couldn't beat you on the court, I was going to beat you in the classroom. And if I could beat you in the classroom, which I was probably going to beat you in the classroom, I was going to beat you when it came to dressing, right? I always just wanted to control the narrative. And the way that I controlled the narrative was the classroom and in my dress and my Mm. appearance because I didn't have the God-given ability to play sports. I still don't. I can work out. I'm a little fat right now. But yeah, so so that's a cushing. That's my thing. I was was a chorus. I I was was a thing. Do you remember that song I wrote for a living? Yeah, man, but going back to the whole episode, man, but really, uh, I've been competitive because I wanted to make it out, but I also realized that me making it out wasn't just enough, right? I had to make sure that me and my little brother and my little sister was making it out. I put that on my shoulders, and we made it out. Mm -hmm. You you described the the household. Do you mind just sharing like what the circumstances were that eventually caused you to end up being raised by your grandmother ultimately once again i i take so much pride and power in my story it's funny we were i was at an offsite a couple years ago or a year or two ago and the senior vice president at the time went around and was kind of talking about the family business right the family business and he got choked up because he was now the svp and when his dad died he died as the svp so him becoming an svp was just kind of like a paramount moment in his career he shared that story to kind of ground an ice-breaking moment and he asked everyone to go around and kind of talk about like where are you right now it was a bunch of leaders in the room in tech i was the only one that looked like me um, but what was the family business and how did you get here and everybody was going around one of my homies father was a ceo of a fortune 500 who took it took it public and uh sold it made well into seven eight figures off that mm-hmm. sale house in the hamptons a house in santa barbara all my friends were just going around and i i said y'all my family business was was the drug business mm-hmm. that, that was the family business for me right um and i used to carry so much shame with that 
But I think about like my uncle, my mom, my, my mom's oldest brother, Uncle Mike. Man, he was the king with this. He was he was the biggest drug dealer from Virginia down to Atlanta. That's when you kind of got into BMF and all of that, right? And my mom was kind of like his COO. She kind of helped run the business. I and mean, I used to carry so much shame because where we went to school, uh, people's parents were doctors, lawyers. I remember uh, Mike Sanchez's dad was the president, the chief operating officer of Duke, Duke Hospital. Remember that? Like, Yo, I, I got I to gotta, I gotta interject and just say that, like, <clears throat> going to Jordan High School, when we went to Jordan High School, I knew that there were kids there who had some money. And I would see the neighborhoods we would pass driving into the school, right? Yeah. I didn't but realize I, I, how much money they had. Yeah, I didn't realize nothing like what you're the magnitude of some of the people we are, we were around in terms of like their parents and what they were doing in the city. I really didn't realize I, how I didn't many of their kids were either. at Jordan. I didn't realize it either, man, until I got to college and start, I would say going to Morehouse, seeing black students and black men who parents did the same thing also kind of changed the game for me. But I, I didn't realize the magnitude of the amount of money or wealth we went to school with what right. i did know though is them other houses was huge yeah <laughs> yeah it right. was cool we went with somebody with a nice house it was like oh right yeah. right 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 right, right. <laughs> um and, and had a pool in the backyard and it wasn't the community pool right right why going back though my mom was in the drug business my uncle was in the drug business and when came collapsing down man like they took everything and that's when I knew you talking about competitive. I remember, I don't know if you remember this morning, but I remember standing at the bus stop, sixth grade, Don, the, the sun had just come up or was just coming up. And it, I don't know if like Tyler Perry or Oprah scripted this. Shit. We'll talk about Oprah later because she kind of kind of made it possible for me to go to college. I couldn't as the bus was pulling up to the bus stop. I swear for God, 14 to 15 Suburbans was pulling up in front of the bus, going to my house, getting ready to raid the house to get my mom to take her to jail. Wow. We had the the police, the feds, the the, the helicopter swarming. And they was like, Brandon, they at your house. I was like, no, they ain't at my house. I'm knowing they're like, yeah, they there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I remember this girl, God, she gonna be in the store anyway when I when I do my TED talk. Chantel Hall was like, Brandon, they at your house. They going to get your mom. I was like, they not going to get my mom. I remember looking at Chantel Hall and she told the whole school when I got there. But I remember that. I made mm. up in my mind in sixth grade that that will never happen again, right? That would mm. never, I would never be to the point where I am so embarrassed by the circumstances of life mm. where I refuse to own whatever is happening in that moment, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, they were going to my house. The reason why uh, I now take pride in that story because I think about the hustle, the grit, the fortitude, the entrepreneurial spirit that my mama and my uncle had. Yes, it affected a lot of people's lives, but they were also a product of their own environment, right? And mm -hmm. the business that they know was passed down to them. And they were just trying to make it out in their own way, shape, form, or fashion as well. So when my mom went to prison, my mom's mom, my grandma Joyce, who kind of was already the matriarch of the family and raising us, giving kind of my mom's occupation. She was kind of already raising me, my brother and my sister. But when my mom went to prison, my grandma Joyce kind of really just stepped in and started raising me dust on its niche. Oh, this is, one, I appreciate you sharing that story and, and in large part because one of, one of the things I do want to do with this podcast long-term is be a bridge for individuals from circumstances like you just described and providing resources that help 
get them closer to career paths where they can professionalize their skill sets that they're just naturally sort of born with due to their environment, due to circumstances out of their control. Right. A lot of young folks who 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 come up in, in circumstances are prepared to do high level sales, <clears throat> especially in the enterprise software space. I didn't even know about software sales until I was of a certain age and and was definitely late to the party. But definitely. someone someone like yourself, well, that skill set was developed and nurtured due to your circumstances. And I'm going to, I guess we'll speak to how that helped you advance throughout, but it's a prime example of stuff I've said on prior episodes that these conditions almost curate the, the skill set necessary to thrive. But it is yet- the breeding ground. The Growing up in the hood is the breeding ground for ultimately having to overcome challenges, right? Reposition the messaging so that you are now put, put putting yourself in a better situation, right? To, to, to change the outcome. Yes, I just kind of think about like when a client gives me a no, how I can now go and reposition <laughs> right. or pivot the conversation. <clears throat> Similarly, what, what I was doing at the bus stop that morning when they Brandon, they at your house. No, they ain't at my house. I know they somewhere else. Like, how y'all saying? Like, but right. just being able to think on my feet at that, yeah. at that time to, to, to position or throwing somebody else under the bus. No, that ain't me. You know what I'm saying? But like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, definitely, man. Growing up in the hood, I would say, is the ultimate training ground, if you will, for anyone that needs to be in a, if you're in a high pressure situation, or if your job demands you to pivot, to think of different scenarios on the on the fly, to maybe reposition the message or the cert, the, the, the hood is definitely a breed ground for that. So much rejection and adversity on a daily basis when you live in that environment and you need to be able to have the the callousness or the fortitude to deal with that in these high pressure high performing roles you you grew up on the west end of durham like for people listening how would you describe what it was like growing up on the west end so man it's weird i i, I can I, I have two different views or lenses that i look at right it's the west end that the newspaper and the news wrote about and talked about and it's the West End that I live, right? West End is the cornerstone of Duke University, right? They, they talk about really the crime rate, right? The drugs, but literally on the edge of the West End, flanked on both parts of the West End, you have the East and the West Campus of Duke University, one of the top universities in the world, just not in the United States, right? But I also kind of think, so yes, there was drugs, there was gangs. My family was responsible for a lot of the drugs, at least, half of my life before my uncle, my mom was arrested by the feds. Regardless of what was depicted on the news in the newspaper, there was a strong sense of community as well, right? I kind of think about everybody was a cousin on the West End, right? Somehow, some form, some shape, everybody was related. I think about really that my saving grace was church, right? My two best friends, Jordan and Trey, they were mm-hmm. given to me or gifted to me out of First Calvary Baptist Church. Really, although I wasn't an athlete, it wasn't a choice. I still played recreational sports with the church league, baseball and basketball. I couldn't shoot, but I had tremendous defense. <laughs> Tyrone Lou. <laughs> Tyrone Lou today. There was this dichotomy where like, or really the West End to me was taught me how to be the master of duality, right? Mm. I had the street smarts because I had to be able to navigate. Uh, I was once again, a strong kid skipping down the street, doing ballet and gymnastics on the sidewalk. Right. <laughs> But I also knew how to fight, but also it prepared me when I was going into these schools, right, Jordan and Githens, to not let somebody outperform me, right? And 
and, and, and to talk my way, we'll get to high school, man. But like, it, it is not natural now that I think about it, that a kid coming from the West End should have been homecoming king, SGA president, most popular, voted most likely to succeed, all of that stuff. But I really say that I was prepared and given the confidence because of my surroundings. I didn't know it then, but mm-hmm. the West End really it gave created me a monster. What? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it created a yeah, monster. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so when people say put that shit on, I'm not really talking about the material. When I say put that shit on, it's a mentality that I had to walk out of the house with every day to really first be what I needed to be for my brother, my sister, my auntie, my grandma, but also at the time to convince myself that I was that guy when I didn't believe at the time that I was the guy because of where I came from. So mm-hmm. put that on to me as a mentality is not really a material thing because mm-hmm. i was putting it on every day i was walking out i just made that up on the spot that was good though that was good, good. I, <laughs> all right yeah. man we'll give it up we'll give it up man yeah, we'll, 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 we'll give it up it was yeah yeah i was just thinking about this we've been we've been friends since 12 we now 35 36 so 20 25 years how the heck are we gone? It's gonna take us an hour to get through Githens. <laughs> now this is it. <laughs> it's gonna be. Uh, we'll just see how things go. You know, like I said, and, and, and so for those listening, like this will definitely be a, a multi-part discussion uh, because so much to cover here, and it's such a great story as well. I have to say, uh, the uh, the authenticity of the story and knowing from 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 where it started, like you described growing up in the West End, you grew up across from my uncle and cousins, as a matter of fact, as we discovered as I was dropping you off for the first time, like, oh, this is where you stay? Can I just shout out your mom? Who, of course. Who, to me, so... We didn't have a family car. Me and G typically did a lot of after school activities. Once again, I tried to play sports even though I wasn't good. <laughs> um, but all of like the ancillary s- clubs and stuff that we were a part of, since you lived around the corner, your mom just just dropped me off. I ain't even I, I just stopped asking. I just got in the car. And so I just <laughs> wanted to say thank you to her for just always looking out for me. How's she doing She's doing well. She's doing very well, man. She's 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 doing well. I don't want to put all her business out there, so I don't want to say too much. But no, nah, she's 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 definitely doing well. Ma, I'm gonna clip this up, make sure I tag you so you see it. But Brandon definitely wants to thank you and and is grateful for those rides so home grateful. from from school. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Word up. When we talk about that moment in sixth grade and that really sort of like shifted or lit some lit a fire in you to, to, to sort of like start carving out this person that we know to be today. You'd also mentioned that you were skipping and doing gymnastics down the street. So I'm curious, right? Like how did you do, how did you not just pursue fine arts, but really like embrace it and dive in? Yeah. While still being in a community, especially where at the time that might be like eyebrow raised or frowned upon, especially yeah. given the environment. So if you go back to like you say, like describe the West End, that's why I say like there's a the West End to me presented or was the massive duality in terms of like all I knew was community. Right. Like I was always encouraged to be who I was at the earliest of ages. While my homeboys was out playing basketball in the streets, I was watching Oprah watching Michelle Kwan win the gold medal <laughs> at the Olympics. I, I'm, I'm being serious. Dominique Dawes. I watched right? Dominique you know, Dawes. Dominique Dawes up. went in the 96 Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia. 
I have just always just been a different kid. And I think it goes back to just me also like not being good at the things that they wanted me to be good at. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I just could not, I, 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 I was decent at baseball. I was, a, I was one of a shortstop. I ain't even gonna lie. Um, <laughs> but like, I just, I'm, I'm five, seven and a half, five, eight on a good day, depending on the shoe. I just was not a athletically inclined kid, but I, 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 I could dance. I love Shakespeare, and I, I think I found it because that was the only thing that I was. If I wasn't good at sports, I was going. I had to stay after school, right? So I was going to find something, and it was just theater and dance that really found me. What, you what were some of those early programs, though? Because, <clears throat> like, like being in that neighborhood, and and also like not having a lot of resources to access certain things. Like, what were some of the opportunities? Can you speak to them or do you remember what they were? That's not, that was never my, that was, that's not my narrative, right? Like uh -huh. my, my resources, like we went, I went to EK Poe, I went to Moorhead, Montessori. So they always had programming during and after school that mm. provided a safe haven for me, my brother, and my sister, right? Mm. And so Delson and Tanisha were great athletes. I wasn't, but I, I liked the dance program. So I would go the Walltown Children, the Walltown Children's Theater, Mm. really was a beacon of light for me that really got me into it. I think at sixth grade, we did Shakespeare through the eyes of uh, a middle schooler. Right? Does it still exist? The Walltown uh, Yeah, yeah. It, it still exists. I actually just got elected to the board. Oh, nice. Yeah, I actually just got elected to the board. Um, yep. And so for those listening, um, make sure that you, you, you look out and and look at some of the productions that the Walltown Children's Theater is doing in the greater Durham area. Uh, but that was my outlet. But the programming was made available at the schools. But also, even for those who didn't stay after school, Durham Parks and Recreations also played a huge part of my life. Oh, wow. Um, because Lime Park, the West End Community Center, that was all funded or sourced through Durham Parks and Recreations. A lot of that also, a lot of the opportunities came from that. Mm. So let's just highlight why and a, a, a good example of why it is important that we as a city still provide these things to the community because they do provide opportunities, access to things that you might not necessarily get access to if it's not through the school or through the local park. Like that's something else I will say, access and exposure to, 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 to come from the inner city. I remember my first time going to see a ballet at the Carolina Theater and an opera. I was just blown away at the production. Dancers are athletes as well, right? Yeah. The agility, how strong the men were at the time to like throw someone up in the air and catch her, right? Like with one hand, that was, a, I, and and I was like, okay, well, if I can't shoot a ball, I probably could do something like that. But it was just exposure to know that, okay, I didn't have to fit into a mold, especially if I didn't have the skill set or the competency to do it, mm -hmm. right? As I head into this parenting journey, I'm not a parent yet. That is the type of part uh, partner and parent I want to be is that, I don't really want to guide my child, right, or my children down a lane or down a path that they either have no interest or they don't have a skill set, right? And I believe that you have to coach them to be, okay, if you start something, let's finish it. But I just want to just shout out my family, especially my grandma Joyce and my aunt Brenda, who really, who really just gave me the space and gave me the agency to really be who I was. And I, I just want to repeat that again. It's as important as people 
as parents, as partners, and as friends, that we give people the space and the agency to show up how they show up, because that is really how they begin to develop and lean into the person that they're supposed to be. Mm, yeah. And gee, I, I, I shot you out too, man. Like, let's just call it call it what it was. <laughs> I was probably the weirdest friend at the time that you had in high school and middle school because I did none of the shit that none of you and your homeboys did, but you you like just my Brandon. Yeah, so it won't no surprise when you look up at 25 and I'm introducing y'all to my man. Like you like you like I was waiting on you to tell me. Yo, like we not gonna just skip everything, but I do wanna fast forward. Do you remember when me and Brittany was driving from driving to Dallas? She was relocating to Dallas at the time and you was in Birmingham and we stopped in Birmingham. Do you remember that stop at all? Gee, oh my God. Uh, I I remember you guys visiting now. I I don't I forgot all about that. Yes, I remember y'all now visiting Birmingham, but it what was happened? mad quick. It was in and out. It was like okay. We were uh, we were driving stay? to Dallas. We we didn't even stay the night. We we got dinner, and I think we ended up staying somewhere random in Mississippi or something on the way to to Dallas. But okay, re re recap the story, please. So that was the trip in which you told me that you were in fact interested in men for the first time. That up uh -huh. until then you had never told so, me that. Brittany knew though, right? Brittany had known, but you had and never told me. Did you you did you know before I told you? Brittany didn't tell me. Nah. Okay. So how did I do it? I don't remember. You see, I, I can't <laughs> say so you know, Yo, I can't even say exactly, but but I'll just say that. Why can't you say do you not remember or what? Nah, because I don't want to make it too messy. But like, <laughs> I don't want to make it too messy. I don't want to make it too messy. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You got to tell. Okay. Can you, all, I, all I would say is. How, like, how do you not do it in a messy fashion? Like, you you told me that, like, not only, like, are you, like. Uh-uh. 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 Nope. I don't like it. I don't like where it's going. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yo, oh, I'm just going. Oh. All right, so look, man, look. I am a, you, uh -uh. Hey, man, you a wild boy, man. You 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 a, you a oh, wild boy, no. man. <laughs> I don't like what you about to say. Nope. All right, uh, where were we? Sixth grade? Uh, and where were we at? Seventh grade again? <laughs> oh, so on the all right, so on the other side of that. Now, so so all right, so this is the thing because I bring that point up because there's another point in our friendship where the infamous three-way three era was a thing. Not three-way like pause, like menages. I'm talking about like you call somebody, dial up on three-way, the other person just be on mute. You don't know somebody on the phone. Like that was a very common thing at one that point in, in the social was, sphere. That was, that was me, you, and Brittany. That, 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 was, <laughs> that was a very common thing. In middle school, or maybe it was high school, there was a point where maybe at some point in a friend group, I might have suggested that you weren't straight. And you got wind of it, and you got really mad at me. And you, I, I, you actually I, I came got, to me like you wanted to fight. Oh, I was. I, I, well, I was getting Do ready. Do you remember that? Bad. You I, remember I that? I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. I, I do. I remember that. The reason why I, I, well, first, I was upset that you chose to say it to someone else first without saying it to me. But secondly, like, man, first, we, we this is early 2000s, right? So that the era that we're living in now is not the era that we're living in 
that we were living in back then, but also we are Very in Durham, North Carolina. And although we are a progressive city, the city of medicine, we're also a Southern city and a very regressive city at that time. And like I said, right, the cornerstone or one of my pillars, when I think about the man that I am today, and still am, is, is my religion. And yes, although I've now been religiously liberated and I am not shackled to the, the repressive theologies that I was taught growing up, if you will, yeah, man, I, 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 first, I hadn't really come to terms with, I like, Brandon might be straight, but like, I didn't even lose my virginity to a man or a woman, but to a woman until I was like 18 or 19. For someone to really sexualize or to speak of my orientation, and I had not even like begin to really dive into the man that I was, regardless of how I presented, right? Like, that was a lot, right? I'm not holding you hostage to that at the time, but like, that, that was not your story to tell, although you were right. <laughs> um, and but I think you got to set it up that way. You were given the three way conversation. I heard you say it. I didn't get wind. I was on the phone when you said it. OK, word, word, yeah, so word, I was muted word. when you was talking. Yeah. You, wait, you so, came off mute, as a matter of fact, if I remember this correct. You actually yeah, like, well, like no, I'm, I'm off, off three way down. I, I don't think I come off mute. I'm going to see you tomorrow. <laughs> and I was waiting at your, at your locker. Oh, and the reason man. why, and, and, and this goes back to giving people the space and the agency. And I would say the kids are well, well uh, equipped now. Right. But man, and, and this one probably ninth grade, but this is probably like 10th or 11th. And I think I was talking to girls. Right. And like I had crushes and whatever. And I wasn't even I didn't even start. I didn't even even explore my sexuality in terms of same gender loving until 2021. I will say, though, G, you was like my two best friends at Jordan were you and Brittany. Yes, I'm OK with you. Maybe if you would have asked me, I probably still would have said no, because I didn't know at the time I was denying or I didn't have the, the tools to process it. But you was my hitter. So I'm like. If he's if he's speculating, <laughs> yeah, like you know, what I'm like it, 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 you know, Jordan and Trey don't go to, but they don't go to Jordan, right? Jordan at Hillside, Trey at Southern, and they was also like on a not an apology tour, but they was defending me because once again, I'm this thespian walking on my tiptoes. <laughs> I was wearing, yeah, right, y'all wearing jerseys. I'm not, I, I'm not, my, I, I just went for the record. It is now cool for these cats to be in skinny jeans. Right, and, right, right. And wear pink and wear an Argyle when Argyle <clears throat> sweaters were back in at the dime. Lacoste. I was doing that before well, Kanye. Before, before Kanye before dropped. Kanye. Before before college dropout, you was already before on that sort of wave of stuff. You were. I have to give it up. And I gotta give a shout out to my aunt Sky because she was like onto some stuff like that. Which is like be like be you. But I just didn't look like any cat that you was hanging out with. So I get it. But he was riding with me. So I'm like, so why are you talking about me? But <laughs> it just you just you just didn't know. You just didn't know. Yo, so I I so I, I think it it's turned a out no no no. And it turned out that you are a gay magnet because your two best friends in high school turned out to be raging queers. <laughs> raging, raging, raging. Raging. My my wife is a magnet as well. So here's the thing, right? I think it's important to to have this this say uh, revisionist talk because it as I look back at that time, I didn't know what to do either. Like you said, it was early two thousands. It, it was like even the way that like 
terminology was used and phrases that were appropriate then that aren't appropriate now. Like a lot has changed in that right. 20 some odd year time period. A lot more people, a lot more educated as it relates to like what's acceptable, what's not. And, it, and in present day, you don't ask anybody that question, arguably, right? Nobody's question to ask. But from a from a friend to friend standpoint, it's, I think it is something that uh, that's that the straight black male demographic is in a interesting place as it relates to like just asking questions. Back then or now? Even now, I think but I would I would argue. But this is the thing that I that so then I'm not for sure it. now too though, but in a different way. Well, no, I I think it's okay to ask someone how they identify, right? What's your proper pronoun, right? I have to do it in corporate mirror all the time. And you're not you're not asking someone's position; you're asking them their orientation. You can't hold yourself hostage to not knowing. You can't hold yourself hostage to not knowing, but you also have to give yourself space to figure it out if you want to know. Right. If if you if you are friends with someone or if you do life with someone or if you're working with someone, it's casual conversation to ask where someone went to school. Are you married? Right. All right. How many times do people say, are you married? Right? Do you have. OK. Right. Do you have do you kids? Have kids? Now, right. okay, now, let, 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 let's do a follow up to that. Are you married? G. Are you married? Gerald, are you married? I say. OK. Are you married to a man or a woman? What what? Like the reason why we weaponize the silence because no one wants to have the courageous conversation. But that is that is that is the conversation you have to ask. You ask someone where they, where are they from? Where did you go to school? Do you have kids? Are you married? What you just can't assume that if someone is married that they're married to the opposite sex, yeah. especially in especially in corporate spaces. And I'm not saying corporate spaces like corporations. I'm talking about general spaces where everyone shows up. At, are giving the space to show up themselves. The reason why it's uncomfortable is because people don't have the tools to have the conversations. Like I say, marriage is courageous. Parenting is courageous. Being a friend is courageous, right? And being a colleague is courageous. Like all those things are not places for cowards, right? And if you want to be the best of your, like the best employee or the best friend or like the best parent, you can't be a coward. And that's a way that you can do that without being offensive. You want to know. And you should always seek clarity if you want to establish a connection. Now, at 15, I would argue that you was you was putting some stuff on me that I didn't even have the tools or none of us had the tools to really even work through. Yeah, I didn't know what the f I was talking about at 15. Like, I mean, yeah, to be but fair. You, you know the, but you knew I walked on my tiptoes and I like Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is different. Right. But I got I got nieces. Oh. I got not kids that are like that. Are, yeah, I get that. Right. I get oh, that. Boy. But I, if nothing else, I think that like we got to stop. We got to stop weaponizing the unknown because mm. of our our unfamiliarity. Mm-hmm. I think you should try it next time that you're trying to establish that you're a recluse outside of this outside of this podcast stuff. But if you're really trying to get to know someone or establish a, some type of alliance or acquaintance, right? Because you ain't really, you probably don't do no more new friends. But are you I married? I do new friends. I think the follow-up should be, okay, where'd you go to school? Are you married? And if that's a yes, okay, then try this one. Is that to a man or a woman? That is fair. It's that fair. Is, well, my it's glasses look crooked on. Sorry, guys. It just that's just the, that's the asymmetry of your head. Okay, because I, it looked like I'm, it, that's just the asymmetry of your your one of your ears is lower than the other. I'm just trying to figure out. 
ain't watching. Okay, anyway, but <laughs> but I I said and keep that, keep that, like keep that. But I say all of that to say, man, that is real though, G. Like, yeah, you gotta just have the the next follow up should be if there you you just can't assume like sexuality doesn't have you, you can be very gay and be very masculine. And you can be very straight and be very feminine for from a male perspective and vice versa, right? But also there's these schemes and it's a continuum now. You don't even have to choose. And that's okay. <laughs> and that it is okay. But okay, let me all right. So I don't I don't I don't I don't because I, I know I don't want to put you in a position where you're speaking for a community, but I, I would like to I'm speaking ask from my space. I'm speaking so, from my vantage point and my lens, right? So, so I would like to ask a question. Uh -huh. Like what what does it mean? Like, what's the difference be between being from from your perspective of being queer versus gay versus bi? Like, what is uh, makes queer uh, I, different? I ain't had enough wine yet. Okay, because I because you you like I just want to know what that word. I hear it a lot. You mentioned that my two friends were. Two, I think that's gonna be episode two or three. No, I am not queer. I, I mean, yes, I am a part it. of the queer community. Well, that was me trying to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> correct. Oh. I am listen, I am in love and married to a man. Okay. I don't I, I my pronouns is he, him, that all right. I don't do I, I'm not they or them. <laughs> now I, I respect they and them. I have friend I am friends with they and them and we. There are people that also show up as we or persons mm. that show up as we. But for me in my house, I am with a him and a he, and I am he and him and that Okay, that's all I got for you. He not that either? He is. Okay. <laughs> yo, you are, yo, so, so, okay. All right, so, all right. We'll get back to that at a later time, but I do hey, think- Lord, can you turn up the air? I do think it is uh, important for uh, black males to have the ability to ask questions uh, without, without being, it being uh, yeah, without it seeming like they're coming from a, a a phobic place or an ostracizing like like people don't know and I think a lot of people also want to get it right but can't even ask the the questions comfortably to make sure like things are in the right uh, order if you will so I, I, so for me though I will say. I, I agree with everything you just said, but I also, I don't lead, like, especially the older I've gotten and the more success I've gained. I'm in spaces where unless I choose to share, people don't know. And when I do tell them, sometimes it's a surprise. And I think it's because, especially when I'm meeting guys, I want them to really, colleagues, new friends, if I'm, I, like, I'm a part of the 100 Black Men of Atlanta, the Emerging 100, the end of the day, I enjoy all of the things that you probably typically enjoy on a Sunday. We just had the U.S. Open. Like, I'm watching golf. I watch football. I watch sports. I, I think that you have to, yes, straight men, cisgender men should be okay, should be given the grace to ask questions. But are you seek? Are you asking questions to judge? Or are you asking questions to understand? It's similar to kind of like what I've been coached on in therapy in relationships. Are you, are you listening to respond? Or are you listening to understand? Right. Mm -hmm. I think, yes, you can ask questions, but are you asking to be nosy? Are you asking for judgment? Are you asking really for clarity? You know what I'm saying? And to yeah. understand. Because similar to since we since we talking about future and family and friends, similar to like, gee, you're not attracted to every woman you see and you don't right. want to sleep with every woman. 
there's this common misconception that if you are gay, that whoever you are, whatever your preference is for that for that gender, that you're going to now just want to hit and sleep with everyone that is the gender that you're attracted to. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just saying, so you know what I'm saying? No, no, so like, but, but, but I'm, I'm about to say like, but there are some niggas who will bang every chick if given the opportunity to bang. Those and, and, do and, exist. Probably, and there's some probably, and, and, and there's probably some guys that are, you know, that will take down. Yes, but <laughs> a majority of those people, but the majority probably is not. There's standards in place. Facts, facts, yeah. facts. Yeah. Facts. <laughs> Big, I ain't even. What you sipping on, though, brother? Oh, I'm sipping on a little whiskey, man. Shout out. So, thanks for thanks for bringing it up, man. We already know what we on. Is that, man. Is that we, the old hillside? Uh, man, we shouting out old hillside all day, every day, man. Make sure y'all go get that local ABC. They got a new joint coming out here soon, shortly. What, but we shouting bottle, out. Is that old one of the hillside. original bottles? Is that bottle of like? <clears throat> they uh, they uh, they when they first dropped the Centennial bottles. They signed. They were. They were signed a few. So I did crack one open that I got signed, but I didn't crack open the other one that I got signed. So I'm saying this is the one yeah. that I didn't get signed. But shout out to Jordan. Gave me some. That's pretty strong, brother. You sipping a. You sipping a neat. Neat, my brother. Cheers. I might, I, cheers. I might need a refill soon. Nope issues. Right. So let's get back though. High school. So I remember coming off coming off a of mute. <laughs> it, it, it was just messy the way that happened, and trying to see you. And I, I don't think we, uh, I did come see you at the locker. And he's like, Brandon, like, man, like, what are you doing? Like, you, like, like, you gonna fight me for asking a question? You was, you was, you was low key trying to sum me and laughing. Like, is, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the disrespect. Like, is, is he thinking about it? Like, what, what do you think you ought to do? I was wondering what you thought he was about to do. Like, it would have been an instant turnout, I have to say. So, uh, so yeah, what, so, man, looking back though at high school, bro, we could have definitely had, we could have, we could have been reality stars, Laguna Beach, right? High school was an interesting time, man. I don't know if people understand, like, <clears throat> growing up, growing up the way we grew up, uh, we were outside without a lot of supervision, if you will. Like we were able to oh my God. be out late, explore, make it home. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we, we definitely experienced quite a bit of high school. I'm curious just for you going to a high school like Jordan, like you mentioned, with it, when it comes to the type of students that go because of the neighborhood and, and the, the zip codes that go to the school, like what were just some of your top memories being at Jordan? Man, I so many. I remember I top probably my top was probably when an SGA president. Why? Um, why does that stick out to you over other things? I just don't. The cards. Was, I don't think I was supposed to win. I knew I was gonna win. I was. I when I I I think about it, and I just sit back. I'm like. Like a kid from the West End was literally one of the most popular students at that school. You know what I'm saying like all of this shit. It was just like so. It was winning that. I remember all y'all was campaigning for me. I re like I remember that. Just it, it. That's different from being senior class president. The school had to vote for me. You know what I'm saying and for me to win like by a landslide. Like you know what I'm saying like I really I think that's when I it just hit like yeah I got it I got something special I got that sauce. Another thing that uh, I remember is us all going to prom. <laughs> prom. Oh my. Prom, and I remember Project Graduation. Remember that? Project Downtown. Grand. But some of my favorite memories outside of like, just kind of like us hanging out at Chandler's house, right? Those are some um, memories. Olivia's spot. 
yeah. at Britney's spot. I just, like, we had to create our own community at Jordan Conda because although everyone was <clears> nice, <throat> we, we did not, we were not, we were not the profile of that school. Think about it, right? Like, we weren't, right? You got Hope Valley, you got Woodcroft, you got some of Tarboro and Chapel Hill. South Point, South Point was, I remember right now, South Point. Yeah, a lot opening. of people had driveways, facts. Big ones. Garages and everything. Six, you know, five, six car garages. And once again, man, like, and this is not a brag at all. And I, I would probably please edit this out, but I'm going to say it. Like, looking, look, like, that won't no, that's not no money now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it. <laughs> Oh boy! You know, it's a boy, a boy. But, but, I, but, wow. I, but, I, but, I, but it was way more than what we had and what our family had. You know what I'm saying like, gee, well, first of all, you got a car. I didn't even get a car. I didn't even get licensed. So I was probably 21. But I remember, like, you had the Corolla. But that was cats. It was the Cor It was Corolla, right? I had the Corolla. Yeah, I had yeah. the Honda and the Corolla. The Corolla. The Corolla is what I remember. It was cats coming to school with sobs. BMW. BMWs. Yeah. The new Saturns. But somebody had the money. This is the car of our childhood, the Passat. Oh yeah, that Passat. Yeah, if you had a new Passat, yeah, that was like a you, that was a, that was like a great first starter car. Yeah, that's was, a fact. You, you was getting to that money. Yeah. You know what I'm they, <laughs> that was a status symbol back in the day. And then yeah. another thing that I remember is, uh, so I don't remember if you remember, is it JJ Bean? So there was this phase kind of before sneakers, because sneakers now, the Yeezys. But at Jordan, this is how pressed I was and how, how much money we did not have. Do you remember everyone used to get their initials tattooed or in, on their book bags? They were yeah. like, right? The embroidery. So, huh? The embroidery. The embroidery, right? There was this girl. She was probably like top five. Her initials, my my initials are B L D. Hers was C B L, and she had gotten a new book bag. And I asked because I could have her previous one. And I'm like, I'm just sitting back and thinking, like, I really carried that blue backpack because I well, I had two of the initials. I had because uh -huh. it was Karina Bartlett Lero, and I was Brandon L Douglas. So I had to be in the L. When people were asking me to see, I was like, it, it, it's just a it's a second part of my hyphenated middle name. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. That's that's the importance of your book bag in that era was something different too. Cause it like that is simple, bro. Yeah, it was, it was the type of book bag you had mattered. Like every little thing in high school, like it is like thinking back to that to those days. Like all those little things were status you don't symbols. Remember the mechanical pen pencils, but also oh, yeah. you had money if you had the erasable pen. Yeah, remember in English you had to write in pen. Can we just shout out Miss Ville, one of our favorite teachers? <laughs> Vicky Ville, we love you, Miss Ville. She's still and and she's still in Durham. I do. Still, still in Durham. Staple. And you know where Leathers is today. Hillside, right? Southern. Principal over at Southern. I thought he was at Hillside. He was, but now he's at oh, yeah. Southern. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just but a lot of so also too, shout out to Miss Pathé. I I don't think she's in Durham, but do you remember those remember. those senior year joints with Ville and Pathé and yeah. But the they like you. American she, didn't really lit like class? she didn't really like me. Who? So you can shout her out. But Who? she didn't really like me. Uh, Miss Bethesda. 
Why you say that? She didn't like me. What What makes you think a teacher didn't like you? Like, 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 we're we being serious. Like, what? I knew when teachers liked me and did not like me. Uh, this is an interesting. What do you? So, so aside, so, like, what would well, tell you a teacher didn't you like were you? Like by a lot of the, you were liked by I, a lot of the black teachers, so especially the black women teachers. It won't, but two, two or three. Um, you had stellar grades. Like, you were a brown noser. You kissed all the teachers. Like, you, you would. No, no, like, no, 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 no. I had good grades, and you did decent, but like. They let, but they they almost put you right beside me, and you won't even doing half of the work or putting in half the effort. So, and that's what I think about Miss Bethay when African American studies. I'm like, although Miss Bill taught the class, Miss Bethay would come in, but she almost made it seem like you was the top student. I'm just like, so that's your problem. So, so, so basically, if somebody does not acknowledge you as the best, then that must mean they don't like you. No, 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 no. I or or you know what bothers me is when people acknowledge mediocrity <laughs> yeah 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 because you was you was okay making the b i was okay you know? getting a c let's be keeping a stack i was okay getting a c i was I, so but this so let, me, like, let, let me let me let me shout you out real quick i remember you used to be like b it's not that serious i was I won't even okay not being number one in the class. Right, yeah, yeah. I got to shout you out here because peer groups are important. And in retrospect, like I've said this on prior episodes too, like the, the friend group I had in high school, you were a big part of that friend group. All y'all had good grades uh, for the most part, except me and Dante. We, was the only we all had good grades. I know what you're about to say. Keep going, but I just want to, I got to add this caveat. I was not. And still to this day, can't believe I'm getting to say it. Well, no, I'll say it about high school because I'm the smartest now. But in, in high school, I was not the smartest one in our group. I'm just going to say it. I, I was not the smartest one in our peer group. I know. I, yeah. Naturally, even with my big brother, my, my brother and my sister, I'm the oldest, but I'm not the smartest of the three of them. My sister is by far the smartest one. I... I just would stay up. I would just like I, I the effort, right? I, I, I just wanted to be so the reason why like I think I am where I am today is because I just don't I I refuse to be outworked, right? And if I am outworked, I know it's now time to move on, right? Either to a new role, a new position, a new company. It's when I now am okay being second or not 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 doing the extra to like like you, you you, you don't know because we don't work together, but a Brandon Douglas presentation, right? <laughs> but you just, no, like my interview decks, my, I'm saying like, bro, this last, this role when I got VP, I, I hired a cartoonist. I'm going to send you my deck. I hired a cartoonist to basically illustrate my whole, my whole deck. Like I remember like the chronology, I've been at now nine years. It was last Monday, nine years. I had her illustrate my nine year work of my, my, my nine year body of work. It started at a seed mm. and each milestone blew like it germinated. Let me say germinated. It germinated. <laughs> each milestone was a germination period till I ain't a tree, but like I'm a, I'm like a little evergreen. I think you know, like a little bush out yeah, in Africa somewhere in struggling. But, but like, but whenever I stopped giving that extra uh, it's just time to move on relationships friends you know what i'm saying and what but the peer group thing i wasn't the smartest <laughs> I, I, look believe me I, did, I don't I, did, I never said that you were so so yeah, let me get back to my let me get back to my point look so what i what, what i'm saying is, is that you, you, i've been disrespectful what you what what you did do though was you made like because i am competitive in that like i'm not gonna let somebody just like 
talk to me a certain way. And like the way you used to like get mad over grades and like flaunt over grades, it just made me at least want to at least try in a couple classes we was in together. It was like at least show them I could do a little bit here or there. And I got to be honest because I didn't graduate with above a 3.0. I had below a 3.0. I was not a stellar student at Jordan. And if I didn't, I did well in college. But if I didn't have you as one of the main friends in that group, honestly, I don't know how or where I would have ended up, say, in undergrad because- You're not calling out a lot of other friends, but I will say that the trio, really, the the the, the, the Rat Pack, the three of us, me, you, and Brittany, I think we we were a balancing act. We, we calibrated each other in different ways. The way that I was about grades, you were more about socially, <laughs> And I would say that a lot of cats that I probably wouldn't have hung out with or wouldn't have hung out with me. I'm saying you you actually, what I did for you in grades, you did for me in, on the social aspect. Mm. That was a balance in that. But it's 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 something I, I need to I need to say to you. And when I get other people on, I'll say it to them. But that's why I I, I, I oh shit, we got we got some somebody in the building checking out. So when when it comes to uh, uh, no 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 yo that's that's one of my closest friends. Would you uh, he he, he what you want to say to the homie? And look, hey Al, I don't know Al, this your first time watching, but you've been name dropped a couple times on the podcast. I just have to say, go listen to the episode I did with Quan. He he name dropped you too. If you just now tuning in, yeah, you actually gotta get Al on too, man. He's a uh, facts. What? I'll tell you, uh, when you think about friends, so Al was the athlete. I actually introduced Al to uh, to theater arts, right? I remember he's the reason, I'm the reason he did a little you gonna take credit. You're going to take credit for his whole blossoming no, and no, everything? No, 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 or no, 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 oh, okay. he, no, 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 he's put in it's the work. It's all because of you, right? No, 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 but I, well, he'll tell you. I okay. introduced him to to the, the the world of theater and now this man is a sought actor a sought after actor see told you that and he's an artist now too he's a recording artist you got to get that guy on to just kind of talk to his journey um but yeah man it's, it's all about being conduits and gateways and i will just say uh, i am a talker but hey can we can i can I go refill? Yeah, go refill. I'ma just I'm 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 gonna recap some things and let people know where we about to go. So you go ahead and get a refill. I'm gonna go ahead and go solo mode out. If this is your first time watching the G pod, make sure you hit that subscribe. This dude, Brandon, we, we're gonna discuss a little more. We're probably gonna get him on for another episode to go into more detail. So far, we talked about what it was like growing up in the West End, what it was like for him personally in the household some moments from middle school, high school, how black men can talk to, say, maybe other black men who aren't straight and ask questions in ways that aren't offensive, that aren't judgmental. It's been a, quite a conversation so far. After he goes and gets some more of that expensive wine, we'll have to ask him what he's drinking. I'm sure it costs plenty per bottle. He'll have to give us the rundown. <clears throat> We're going to start to figure out what that pathway was like from high school to college and what Atlanta really did for him as a as an adult, a young adult coming from a city like Durham, because I can imagine that was a, a big shift, especially at that time in the early 2000s and be going to a school like Morehouse. I'd like to also hear a little bit more about how he even got thinking about Morehouse why was this even an option versus maybe staying in state? Because Morehouse definitely 
cost some money. I'm also curious to know, like, is the Morehouse experience, well, he's probably going to, he's he's definitely drank the Kool-Aid, so I kind of already know what he's going to say, but I want to know from his opinion, is the experience worth it? Would he recommend it to others? What were some of the biggest values of attending a school like Morehouse versus maybe going to somewhere else if he would have stayed in state? I'd be curious to hear what his personal thoughts are on that. In the short term, Bro, one I other thing. I spilled wine on my white shirt, bro. I'll be back. Oh, oh my goodness, man. Yo, Brandon, you all right? Wait, come back. <laughs> I think you're good. You, you, nobody can see that. Nobody can see that. <laughs> nobody can see that, man. You good, man. You good. You good. Crop no, down. bro, I can't do it. No. Nope. Oh, my God. So now he's got to change his shirt because he spilled wine. This is, uh, if you don't know, this is literally who he is. He wanted me to mention that he has textured wallpaper. So let me actually zoom in on his man because what you see right here, allegedly textured. Now, what that texture is, I don't know if it's velvet. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what they call this here texture, but allegedly it's textured. He wanted to have this little bartender, but it's no drinks on the bar. So I don't know why he got that little bar set up with no beverages. We'll have to talk to him about... Well. So the reason, the reason, so the bar, actually the bar cart is out of scale. So it's too big actually for the room. The new bar cart hasn't arrived yet, but it's all about scale and balance, brother. Scale and balance. So you say that one is too big for the room. It's too big for the room. Okay. Okay. Well, Well, my partner is one hell of a, one hell of a designer on something he does in his, his, uh, his spare time flips properties and stuff. When you come to our home, G, you'll see like. Everything has a place. And I'm not that I like to take credit for that. That's just not me. But I will say that when you look at it, it shouldn't be the same height. It's actually bigger than the chaise. It should be a little lower. Than the what? The chaise. The chairs? The chaise. The auto. The chaise? How you spell it? I'll spell it never much. <laughs> <laughs> the chaise? No, the chaise? I think you spell it like a chest. That's just a love seat. What are you talking about? That is a sofa. Look, look it up. A chaise? So we learned something new, interior decorating the G podcast, man. Make sure y'all hit that subscribe. So look, Brandon, getting back to what we was discussing here, you said Oprah is the reason why you went to school. Well, no, no, no. She's not the reason why I went to school. I was I was going to school. So, man, when I uh, coming out of Jordan, I got into the three schools I got into more. Well, I got into NYU because I wanted to go to Tisch School of Dance for theater arts and dance performance. Got into Duke, but it was up the street. Got into Georgetown and I got into Morehouse. I didn't get a lot of money from Duke. I think I got it half paid for, but Duke was like $60,000. I got twenty five. still had to come up. I'm saying that was enough. Mm-hmm. Georgetown. I, same thing. New York, man, I just wasn't ready for New York. It was a hard no. My family didn't say no to much. They was like, you are not going to more. Uh, you are not going to New York. You, <laughs> and I, I would say going up there, because uh, I'm in New York probably once a month at least for work. When NYU, there's really no distinction between the city and the school. Man, coming from Durham, my God. Yeah. Good times, but it would have been some bad times. Yeah. So... It was a no-brainer uh, when Oprah, the Oprah Winfrey Foundation, stepped up and gave me the Oprah Winfrey Global Scholarship, which basically paid for all four years of college and provided me the opportunity to go to Africa every year right before my internships to really do more work exploratory discovery around kind of social economic 
hardships that students and people were going through, but also similarities between South Africa and U.S. as a whole. So, I'm, so Oprah was one of the main reasons outside of this Morehouse being the mecca, um, if you will, for creating African-American men at a high caliber when it comes to education or producing, if you will, African-American men. So did you get exposed to the Oprah Foundation after you sort of knew you were going to Morehouse or did you get the Oprah scholarship and then figured out you were going to Morehouse? No, what was the no, order of no. operations? I got accepted to Morehouse and then they extended it to me. So it's a scholarship that's through the University of Morehouse or yes. Morehouse College, rather. Morehouse, Morehouse College, yes. Right, right, right. It's not a university, yeah. Morehouse College. It's not. It's, not, it's yo. Is that? Oh, no, that that's not a spot. Okay. Nah, you should have let it rock. It could have been like a Morehouse C. Oh, shit, man. You see, it. okay, we ain't going to change it again, though. But I just like back on, too. So yeah. that is like, I got to be honest, man. Like, and I'm curious to hear your opinion as an alumni. When it comes to HBCUs, I do feel like there's this crop of HBCUs that get the, the bulk of the funding and attention. I don't know if, like, I, I'm curious, like, in your opinion, like, Morehouse is definitely in that class that i'm talking about when it when when companies and it is the class but yes you're right what is it about morehouse in your opinion well let me just kind of talk so if you would have asked me this question man uh, in 2009 2010 when i graduated my answer would have been completely different i just want to say that like historically black colleges and universities are necessary right yeah. they are necessary Yes. And, and, and the reason they are necessary is because ultimately, at the end of the day, they are the gateway and they provide a framework for they are the gateway between historical context and future continuity around what's possible. I will tell you, G, man, coming from Durham, like I had some. I, I knew that like black, some of my mentors in Durham went to Morehouse, but coming going to a school the incoming freshman class is 773 i remember that number african-american men everyone had a three a 4.0 gpa or higher everyone was valedictorian or sga class president on top of that they came from I, mean, I remember in my induction class getting when we got inducted to morehouse there was this cat who was fourth generation Morehouse man. That means his daddy, his daddy's <laughs> daddy, and his daddy's daddy's daddy, his great great grandfather, great grandfather. And I'm sitting there in awe. I didn't even know that was possible. I'm the first. I knew it was maybe two generations the, the mama, the daddy, mm -hmm. and then the grandparents. The grandparents, grandparents went like that. It's just that was unheard. And then I saw the amount of exposure and black wealth. And I just realized that like, and this is where I was supposed to be. But I do think that there's a disparateness or disparity between the, the, the well-known HBCUs, Howard, Spellman, uh, Morehouse, Fisk, mm -hmm. right? MU, maybe. Mm -hmm. Hampton, for sure, mm -hmm. right? And then everything else, right? Like they are, they don't exist. And that's not, or they don't, they don't get the exposure that's necessary. And I think we are doing ourselves a disservice because when you think about it from a, from a propensity standpoint, everybody ain't going to get accepted to those schools. So who's really doing a lot of the work, right? In terms of producing just in numbers. Now I could argue some other things because I'm, 
but in terms of just producing <laughs> black, black graduates via the HBCU pipeline, it's the other schools that aren't getting the attention. And I think we have to do a better job. We, I was so indoctrinated on this kind of Morehouse, Morehouse mystique where it was all about Morehouse. Spellman when I graduated. The older I got, man, if you just come through, if you're an African-American who has a college degree, you deserve to be celebrated. And if you've done that through the you know, all of the hardships that comes with through HBCU, because although Morehouse and Spellman and Howard are on the forefront or on the round, the Mount Rushmore of HBCUs, there are infrastructure challenges at HBCUs that I can almost guarantee, G, you did not go through at a, HB, at, at a, a PWI. I can 100%. Like, you probably didn't have Wi-Fi issues. Or, or, I went to Winston Salem State. I got it. I got it. I can get into UNCG. I didn't have I didn't have AC my freshman year. Well, Winston Salem State is getting a lot of exposure. You guys are producing talented journalists. Winston, Winston Salem State has definitely done quite a bit, especially since I've graduated. Campus has grown, well. but but when you talk about when you talk about lack of institutional support, lack of uh, certain qualities. Infrastructure wise, like no, of course that. Believe oh my me, bad, bro. I state, thought, I thought state you, funded black school at I, that. I, like, I, I made that connection. My bad. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, you being silly. I'm not being silly. I spent a lot of time at UNCG. I'll say that much, <laughs> but I did not graduate from there. That's a fact. I, I want to dive into that though. Like, are you saying? Are you offended? Or are you like? Per, like, why? Why do you bring up that? Like, do you think that like other HBCs aren't getting enough attention? Or what? I think I think that I think that given given that you've gone to one of the flagship HBCUs like Morehouse, uh, my experience at a HBCU is from the perspective of Winston Salem State, state funded institution, Morehouse College, privately funded. But when I compare even like the experience at Winston Salem State compared to UNCG and their resources or compared to ECU or Wilmington, I'm talking about even just locally at the state level, there's there's a difference when there's you can you can tell that Winston Salem State, especially at the time, didn't have the same sort of uh, resources in terms of what the campus offer institutionally. When I look at that in the pipeline of HBCUs, I think, especially given this post George Floyd era where there's been this huge push to market to HBCUs and do all these different things. Now how he get into it? Because that's that was the that was the thing that's that that really like COVID, George Floyd, corporate America start saying Black Lives Matter. What can we do to help Black people? Before then, corporate America was not really making those yeah. sort of statements, in my well, estimation. I, 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 you, 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 you touched a, a sour spot for me right now, man, where we shift the conversation away from HBCUs and more towards corporate America. And I think we probably want to phase that out. No, no, we, we go uh, to, but, but let me, let me, let me finish. Let me, let me finish my thought, though. Okay. Let me finish my okay. thought. So the reason why I say that is because recently, as I look at the attention that HBCUs are getting, right? What I notice is it seems to be the same circle of schools that seem to get the bulk of the flow of the the support and the funding. But it's, I would challenge you to look at its funding, but is it based on specialties, right? I don't know what the specialty of Winston Salem State, but I I know a lot of the funding that's is being geared to the that's being granted to the schools, the flagship schools, if you will, is centered around specialties and focuses, right? 
technology, journalism, engineering, coding. Like, I just would like, and we could probably do some research, and I will, to make sure. But like, a lot of this funding that we just, like, I know McKinsey, who is it? Not It's, it's not Bill Gates' wife. Or maybe someone just gave us a big donation. But it, it probably was, was wild, Melinda Gates. It was Melinda Gates. It was a lot of money. She, she gave a bunch of schools a lot of money. But I also think Bezos' wife just gave, ex-wife just gave some money too. Mm. But all of those, they were grounded in outputs that we met based on the caliber of students we were producing. You guys are producing great caliber students too, but where are we penetrating? What industry or sector are we penetrating, right? Do you think that who the HBCU was founded by makes a difference as to access to resources? No, because Morehouse was founded by a white man. Very. You said, so do you mean alumni? No, I said well, founded. Like, because because Morehouse, a lot of these private HBCUs and their, their, their original ties... Oh. Now I see where we're going. See, I'm just saying, you. I'm just curious. I've, been, I, I've, I've done a white. tour. I've done a tour of Morehouse College. And one of the things that that sort of that that was like a light bulb when I toured the campus was how it was founded. Well, it was founded by a, a, a white man who believed that African-American men should be educated. He was an abolitionist. What was his name? His last name was Morehouse. And who funded who funded it all? He funded it at first. Ooh, ooh. Now, from my memories of the... No, no, but he, he, but he, he did it in the, in the basement of Springfield Baptist Church. So... So okay, just the, the the Rockefeller name. Why is that so heavily tied to the beginnings of the university? Hey, Gerald. I'm just saying you. that's what I know it to be. I, listen, that's what I know the founding money to come from. Is that is that not true? Maybe for I don't think Rockefeller is associated with Morehouse. So let me go do some. We'll 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 pause and maybe come back to that at a, at a different time, but. Maybe, maybe if it was, because like, I don't think Hampton was founded by, say, like a black person, for example. I don't think Morehouse was. Okay. I'd be curious. I'd just be curious. Like, as, as I just sort of talked through this as a fellow HBCU alumnus here, I'm just, just talking through some thoughts, like high level. I'm just wondering what your perspective is, seeing how you went to one of those, as you call Mount Rushmore HBCU University. No, I say if you're putting it on the Mount Rushmore, I, I don't, you know, I got, I'm, I'm just happy people are going to school and getting an education, bro. No, okay, all right. So tell me this: when you got to Atlanta, Ooh, when I got to Atlanta, like when you got to Atlanta, like and you touched down, what was sort of like the biggest adjustment growing up on the in the West End and then going relocating? It for really was an adjustment, man. I looked at it, I looked at it as a or like as a fresh start. Once again, coming from Durham, I had the weight, I would say maybe self-proclaimed or self-induced the weight of like being a great example for my brother and sister, right? Mom and uncle are in prison. Dad died when I was in sixth or seventh grade. Grandma had passed away, so my Aunt Brenda now stepped up. I was able to create whoever I wanted Brandon Douglas to be, look and feel. Now, I was doing that against the backdrop of walking into a new environment. Everyone was high achieving, had money. I'm saying I couldn't just be the smart guy, the smart black guy who dressed well. Because everybody fought <laughs> well, right? We're well-read, well-dressed, well-traveled, well-read, well-dressed, well-traveled, something and well and well-rounded. It's one well I'm missing. Forgive That's like more. a school slogan, the five wells. The five wells. Okay, we learned a little bit about what, is be a, what it be a Morehouse man today. It, it, it's actually substanti substantiated with like, actually like, we do. But I'm saying though, I was able, like, man, I, 
I came in, I came to Atlanta with a fresh set of eyes. Now I will say there was some some revivors remorse mm. because I felt like I was leaving my little brother and my little sister, but also. I was happy not to have the responsibility of being so close in terms of proximity. And then also I was really able, I was ready to like test what I've learned and what I gained, right? Socially. I was ready. I was ready, man. I was, I, I was excited. And then there's this unspoken thing where like, I think I was really leaning into like, okay, I think I like girls, but I also know something else is there. And in college where they say that like, you're able to really, lean into who you want to be i think i was able i walked in not necessarily first year with an open mind but i was interested to see the man i was going to grow into mm-hmm. i knew that i was not going to return back to durham i didn't know that i wasn't returning back to durham i know the likelihood was very low um, but i knew that when i came back home at least we can talk about the first time we that christmas break when we came home yeah shit was shit was different and you said it man i got i gotta go get my charger all right. And now things had changed and I'm 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 curious. I'm really curious when you got down to Morehouse, really what I wanna know is like what did you go down there originally thinking you were gonna do? Uh because I know you were saying thinking about pursuing theater, uh going more into like fine arts or dancing at the time. No, I, I, I went into finance, man. I, I well, so I went to Morehouse thinking I was gonna be a doctor and then that biology class wore me out. So I knew. <laughs> so you, you, so you actually went to college with the dream of I'm going to be a doctor. I did. I also, I, well, before I even get there, let me just tell you the beauty of Morehouse because you, you, you talk so much about it. I haven't um, said anything negative. What are you talking about? So let me tell you the beauty of Morehouse. It's a great institution. Amazing, Ducky. Oh, you want to? Okay, Ducky's in here the dog. So the beauty of Morehouse is that when I left Durham, I was going to make as much money as I could, right? My Like it was, I'm going to be rich, right? So that's going to be, if I'm going to be a surgeon, if I'm going to be mm. a broker on Wall Street, it was grounded in monetary gain so I could establish a legacy for my family, but also the family that I was going to create. Right. Sitting at Morehouse, the first getting to Morehouse, the first session we sat through, they said, look to your left, look to your right. Right. Based on the data, the brother that you're sitting next to, one of the brothers you're sitting next to will not finish. Right. It should be your responsibility to make sure that they are sitting beside you when you when you walk the stage. Right. And immediately it shifted away from self-interest to community gain right? Or community impact. And I will say that I don't know if I would have gotten that at another school or another HBCU. I definitely wouldn't have got it at a PWI, right? I think that's in the, I think that that story is in the pamphlet for all HBCU entry classes because they told us that at Winston too. You're not going to, you're not going to water down my Morehouse experience. No, I'm saying no, we got that same story at Winston too. We got five stories at Winston too. That's all I'm saying. You're not going to water down my Morehouse experience. I'm not watering it down. I'm shouting it out. It shifted my, it shifted my motivation from self to other. So I went from being self-centered to being other center. And remember, I told you, walking walking on the campus of Morehouse, a touching base in Atlanta, it was all about me creating someone for something for me, something someone new. It grounded my it grounded my purpose back in other instead of self. I will say that's the be if Morehouse if Morehouse is done right, it should always be grounded in otherness as well. Okay. Community. 
community. I, I, I think I think that is a valuable experience for undergraduates, learning how to be a part of a community, understanding the importance of networking and, and learning how to build from there. You went into finance. I wouldn't say you work in finance now. So I'm curious, like you went but into I finance. Did, I, I did for the first, I was at, I was at every summer. I was actually the only freshman at Morehouse. And this goes back to my Duke connection. So the chair, the, the chancellor at Duke at the time, John Goodnight, was it John Goodnight? He yeah, just want to make sure. He wrote me a letter of recommendation when I decided I wasn't going to go to Duke to Morehouse, which I think also played a part of me getting a scholarship, get, getting the Oprah Winfrey Scholarship. But also he knew the CEO at Morgan Stanley at the time. He said, I'm not giving you an internship. You're going to have to earn it. But I worked at Morgan Stanley all three summers in, in iBanking. I thought I was going to be an iBanker. What's an iBanker for people listening? Investment banking. But when you think about 401ks, hedge funds, when you think about a basket of funds that makes up a 401k, the research, the hard stuff that's done on the back end of figuring out the funds that's actually going to fuel that growth or that package or that or that 401k plan, that's what iBanking, iBankers do. Mm. At its it, simpler form. That's yeah. all I got for you because I'm drinking. No, I'm, We're far removed from that now. Right. What what ultimately made you pivot out of finance? We're going to put in that work three summers was, in a row studying. The recession, uh, the recession, 2009. Uh, so I had an offer at Morgan Stanley, man, $20,000 to $5,000 signing bonus offer. And then we got that email. Sorry, sir. You guys can keep your signing bonus, but we were sending all offers for the incoming analyst class this the, the, this year. Oh, wow. So this is, you didn't even get a chance to do the, the first day. No, I was there. Right. I had oh, already, wow. but we didn't get the chance to do the first day. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Did you relocate to, to, to New York for that yep. role? Yep. You talk about letting you cheat off my papers. I, I, I want to say this. Every job that I've had post Wall Street has been based off of my relationships at Morehouse College. Really one relationship. So I had this big brother and I tell this story all the time. His name is Desmond Mason. I was a freshman taking accounting one. You typically have to be accounting uh, a sophomore, but I went in with all these AP credits. We'll talk about that later. Um, thank you, Jordan High School. But anyway, I was a freshman taking accounting one. I did decent, um, but there was this junior that was taking accounting one. And I was, once again, I, I, I read everything. I got him through accounting one. We also took accounting two. <laughs> um, and he just became my, he just became the big bro. Cause I was looking out, I was young on campus, but he just became the big bro. When I called him, it's like, man, he was just checking in. Like, how was your first day? I was like, man, we actually, there was no first day. He's like, man, you have the personality for sales. He's like, my mom recruits for a sales program at AT&T. There's this black woman who is the head of the sales program. They're going to love you. Just trust me on this. Right. Mm. I meet his mom. She sees my resume. She talks to me. She said, oh, you're going to be a fit, right? She said, the only problem is it's a four-week interview process. Because of God, and I think some talent, that four weeks was shortened to three days, right? Oh, wow. And so I was able to get into the college hire sales program or the business development program um, for finance and sales at AT&T. Fast forward story, I can walk you through all of that. That's how I got to Birmingham and all these other places. No, actually, I think that's that's I think this this is a good maybe like place to start to round out the conversation, because once you get there and go a different game being played now, once yeah, you enter but let me that just world. Tell you this, though. I'll tell you the game, but 
I'll say Desmond, who, because of my connection at Morehouse and helping him get through accounting, got me my first job at AT&T. Desmond was also at AT&T. Desmond left AT&T and went to Oracle. It's like, man, this software shit, this ERP shit is, is different, man. AT&T, that's your grandfather's company. I was like, man, I just got here. I'm doing well. He left and went to Oracle, tried to get me to Oracle. I said, no, he went to another startup. I'm not ready for startups. I was 23, 24. He tried to get me to go there. But when he got, he left that startup, I, did, I said, no. And then he went to us, this company, sexy, software, sexy, look it up. <laughs> no, he said, he said, and you can make the money and it's going to accelerate your career. I did the research and I was like, what? I reached out and he's like, here's the thing. You got to be tight to four. Once again, it's a four week process. So everybody want to work at right now. Right. By the grace of God, that four weeks was condensed to seven days. I got the offer, one of the first hires that they made in Atlanta, right? So now still, because of the deposit that I made with this guy at Morehouse 15, 16 years ago, literally every job I've had post my Wall Street internship has come because of the relationship that I was able to foster at Morehouse. Whenever people ask me kind of the golden rule uh, of what you've done to stay so long to be a black man in tech, I will never start giving them the nuggets of success until I shout out Desmond Mason. Because the reason why I'm at is because or the reason why I was at at and and really any corporate job that I've had post-graduation has been because of the relationship that I made at Morehouse. If nothing else, the brotherhood of Morehouse, the relationships with Morehouse, has given me everything I've had post-college because of employment. I always just shout out Desmond before I even get into like, just telling how I got the world of tech, the money I'm making and all those other things. Word, man. Yeah, shout out to that. Shout out to Dev. Yeah, man. Shout out to looking out and giving brothers opportunity, access to opportunities. And I think this is a good like place to sort of round things out. And when we circle back and, and have part two, we'll pick up from this point of entering the world of AT- AT&T. It's like the, the, the thing about this. I hated it. And and what it was like living in Birmingham. I'm sure that was that was a, a bit of an adjustment, say going from Atlanta to New York I to Birmingham. It. Like I, I, I can't imagine what that experience was like, but I do gotta highlight what you just emphasized because I've shared if I could go back and do one thing over, or you hinted at it earlier, and that I am definitely more recluse than anything. Uh, am I just day to day? I don't necessarily go out of my way to, which is interesting because in high school it was a little bit different, but post high school, not, not the G I know. I just haven't had a desire to do mixy things. If I could go back and do anything different in undergrad, I would have been super intentional about networking more, being more in the mix, making sure that I establish certain bridges because I definitely didn't invest that time. And you sharing that story is a, is another just great example as to why it is important for all of us, not just in undergraduate school, but postgraduate school in your day to day, like when you're around people, don't be shy. Ask questions like be nice to people, be kind, like look out for. But more importantly, I would say be authentic. Right. Mm. At the end of the day, and and we'll talk about AT&T and maybe on the next episode, man, about like I've been able to really gain sponsorship in my career. Be yourself. Right. Be authentic. Like at the end of the day, and I, I prop myself on this and I could bring my partner in, 
I think you could maybe talk to most of my friends. The Brandon Douglas that you see today is the Brandon Douglas that you probably met 20 years ago, G. And it's the Brandon Douglas that shows up at, at work every day, that shows up in life. I don't change the man that I am based on the man that's standing in front of me. And I think that's really been the key, right? If some shit is ugly, I remember telling the, <laughs> now my mentor, now my mentor and sponsor, and you really need to push those cuticles back. Like you, you, like you are closing, you are closing some major business, but those cuticles are in bad shape. <laughs> At the time, I'm, I'm not even a VP, I'm not even a director or a manager. I'm just an account executive. This man is like an area vice president. Or see, now he's global president of all of America. Nine years ago, we, we was we, we shopped at the same place. I probably shouldn't have been shopping there. We have the same haberdasher. But I was like, God, man, those cuticles are really bad. You know what I'm saying? You got and the same haberdasher? What, what is a haberdasher? A habit suiting, like, clothes, a, a stylist, whatever. I don't, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Haberdasher, so, word. But, but, I got to get but, me but, one but, of those one day. But, but uh, this is what I was saying, I'll, and then let, let's pivot and maybe set it up for the next one. The reason I tell that story is because mentorship is bi-directional, mm. right? N now that we got through this high school, like this this beginning, shit, now this I'm going to start dropping on fire. But this is where, like, this is the last 10 years of my life, and this is where I really, like, I'm leaning in. If nothing else, I want people to understand that mentorship is bi-directional, right? Don't focus on the position, focus on the person. So often we are aligning ourselves or try to align ourselves with people that are vertical, vertical to us, right? Above us. Mm -hmm. But the mm -hmm. greatest lessons that I've learned from people have been beside me or below me, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how you grow. And it, my mentor would tell you, although it was vain and it was about appearance, he said, what? I should probably take more precedence in the way that I show up, right? And it's not, it's not just about what I'm presenting. It's about also how I'm presenting myself. And then he's like, that's how I know that kid, right? It's going to tell me some of the things that other people are not going to tell me. So show up authentically yourself and focus on the pers the person and not the position that you're looking to align yourself with. No, nah, man, that's some fire. That's that's look, see, I didn't call my second win now. Now, listen, now I'm really, I'm, now we, we 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 can really go now <laughs> yo so look we we gonna have to make sure actually what i'm gonna do next time i'm gonna make sure we start going and then we go live 30 minutes into the convo just to make sure we get a couple couple drinks in we'll have a little pre-game yeah. and when we come back on that part two, we'll dive more into, like we said, these last, what? We maybe? should just, we just should go ahead and just do next, let's just go ahead and book next Monday. All right, bet. Hold up. No, 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 no. Maybe not next Monday. You ain't, you ain't gonna think. Let me make sure. Let me make sure. Hold up. Next Monday. That's perfect, actually. The 26th. All right, bet. You said it, so we holding you to that. The 26th, we gonna come back. We gonna pick up from here, do part two. If you got questions for this gentleman, you already heard some of the background. We really gonna get into the, 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 the corporate side of things on the next call. But if you got questions, leave them in the chat. Leave them in the comments. This is the G Podcast, where we focus on family, friends, finances, freedom and our future and f everything else this is the g sh podcast greatly appreciate y'all listening this is part one and two make sure you tune in next week june 26 
same time, Brandon, let the people know for sure you're gonna be here because we know how we we we, we, we just let, let the people know for sure you're gonna be here next week. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> I'm here. That's really messed up. Thank y'all for watching. Thank y'all. Make sure y'all come back next Monday. We're going to wrap up.